Good morning, everybody. Go ahead and grab a seat. Get your Bibles. Turn with me to the book of Genesis. And we're also going to be looking in the last book of the Old Testament, looking in the first book of the Old Testament and the last book of the Old Testament, uh, which is um, Malachi. We're going to be looking there together today. And uh, I'm so excited about you being here. Welcome this morning. Uh, Got a good group here in our second service. Had a great first service today. If you're looking for a little more space, there is a little more room in the early service as well as in that 1130 service. So if you need to spread out a little bit, you can come to one of those services and help us out. Uh, Really glad about you being here. We are in the second week of our series called One. And if you missed last week, and it was a rainy Sunday, and it was post-Easter, and I know that that, uh, sometimes... uh, you know, that keeps folks away a little bit. But if you missed, I want to encourage you to go to our website. You can go to eaglesviewchurch.org. And on our website, you can go to the media section. And there is a recording there of all of the, all of the messages. You can always keep up with what's going on. I urge you, if you missed last week, take some time this week to go listen to that. Listen to it because what we did last week was we established a foundation in our series called One. And, and, and what we talked about last week was this, just, just a quick synopsis of this, is that Scripture teaches this, that my first priority, whether I'm a married person, whether I'm a single person, and we have many singles within our church, my first priority always is to be my relationship with Jesus Christ. That has to be first. That has to be one. And no other person other than Jesus Christ can complete us despite what the, uh, the, the Jerry Maguire theology that is out there. And so he is my one. Jesus is my one. He's top. He says that he is the vine and we are the branches. He talks, as we read last week, about us being one, him being one with the Father and us being one with him. He talks about that unity. And, and when God is my top priority, God is my top priority in my life, and I'm loving God, and this is what we read last week, with all of, and this is the first and greatest commandment, when they asked Jesus, said, I'm loving God with all of my heart, all of my soul, all my mind, and all of my strength. Here's what this means. This means I'm going to start becoming more like Jesus. When I'm becoming more like Jesus, I want you to know, if I'm a married person, I'm going to be a better husband. When I'm becoming more like Christ, as I'm loving God, putting him first, even above my spouse, God comes first, not religion, as we'll see here in a few minutes when we read the word together, not religion, but I'm talking about my relationship with God, putting him first as my priority. It means I'm going to start being more like Christ, which means I'm going to be a better husband. It means my attitude is going to be like Christ. And the fact that my attitude is going to be like Christ means my actions are going to to begin to follow in that sense in the way that I act, in the way that I treat other people, which in turn means my words are going to be more like Christ. You see why if, if I put others in that place and God's not number one in my life, do you see how things can get complicated? I mean, things can be, because I start working in my, if I'm married in my marriage relationship on my own power and maybe on the fact that maybe I think I'm a good person. And here is the deal. God is called to be first in our lives. God's first in my life, my relationship with God, not my church, my relationship with God. My beautiful wife, Hope, she is second. That's my priorities. My relationship with God is first. Hope is second. If you ask Hope, Hope would say she's glad that it's that way. She would say that she desires for it to be that way because it makes me more like Jesus, which means I love her better. And she would even say this, that God's number one in her life and that I'm second. And I'm going to tell you, I would have it no other way. 
Because I know when hope is pursuing God first, she's chasing after God and she's loving God and she's in this great love relationship with God. She's an incredible, incredible wife because she's more like Jesus. You see, that's what the premise of this whole series is about. As we said last week, it changes the whole nature of the relationship. It changes our lives. What we have a tendency to do when we get in series like this is to say, I want my spouse to hear this. My spouse really needs to hear this. Or we have a tendency to say, I need a new spouse. Okay. And what we said last week is you don't need a new spouse. You need to commit to being a new spouse. And that comes by God working through our lives. And so if you didn't get a chance to hear that uh, last week, and by the way, our kids are third. What we talked about is that oftentimes when we have kids, kids get elevated to the top priority, even ahead of God, even ahead of our spouse. The best thing you and I can do for our kids is to love God first and to love our spouse second. To love and, and our kids will grow up in a home that is balanced, a home that sees that happening. And, and they're going to try to fight for being in that top spot. But I'm telling you, the best thing that we can do for them is when we put our, our God first and our, and our spouse, if we're married, second. Now, today we have just an incredible uh, opportunity. We have a very special couple in our church family, and most of you know who they are. Some of you don't yet, but you do need to get to know them. You're going to get to know more about them today. This morning, I want to invite Liz and Jerry Maxwell to come and join us this morning. And they're going to be sharing uh, just a testimony. So if y'all would like to come on up here and grab this microphone right here and let me get this one for you. Jerry uh, is one of the gentlemen. He's a gentleman in our church that leads our newcomers process. He helps. Many of you have been in his class and and uh, we, we have, we, by the way, we have a newcomer's class today. And then after that, for, for about an eight-week period, uh, Jerry spends time with them, teaching those who are coming into our church what it means to be a part of Eagle's View. He also has just written his first book right here. And what a great accomplishment. And this is called Across the Aisle. And by the way, we, we have these available in the back. They are $10 a piece. He's written this book, and all the proceeds uh, go towards our EVC Go. That is our missions here at Eagles View Church. That is, that is how he wants that. And so very exciting. You can pick these up in the back. It talks about doing life together and uh, on all that they've learned in that process. And they're just a great godly couple. Liz, she leads our preschool. She deserves applause for that, right? Okay. She leads our preschool. That's a tough job. But she leads our preschool and just has been doing a phenomenal job. And she just loves your kids. And, and it's just she's just an incredible lady. We love having her in staff meeting uh, because we love to tease her. And, uh, and we have lots of fun doing that. But she can give it back, too. And I'm just saying. But uh, you guys celebrated a special anniversary this week. Would you just share with everybody what you celebrated this past week? 55 years. 55 years of marriage. Wow. That is, that is quite an accomplishment. And I would say that, and by the way, we're talking about commitment and we're talking about covenant today. We're going to be talking about that. And I could not think of a better way to illustrate this than rather than just a guy who's been married for 20 years telling you about it, than showing you someone who's lived it and someone who's lived that commitment. And, and I'm sure, Liz, 
I'm sure that the 55 years of marriage has been nothing but 100% complete marital bliss, right? Just all of the time, nothing but ease, marital bliss. No, it's not been that way. Well, share with us, your church family, share with us a little bit about your journey and just about your background and how the Lord brought you together. And we'll, uh, we'll go from there. Me or him. Jerry, why don't you share with us, okay? Um, it all started about, uh, oh, let's see, 56 or 57 years ago. Uh, we were both in high school together. She actually dated a friend of mine, and uh, we didn't really uh, uh, know each other other than just in casual acquaintance. And uh, we came from two families. Uh, we actually, the funny thing is we both lived on Rosewood. Uh, I lived on one side, and she lived on the other. But uh, we hadn't really known each other, and it came to, to the time of uh, prom, and junior-senior prom, and, and I didn't have a date, and she didn't have a date. A girl that I used to date said, hey, you ought to call Liz, and I did. And um, so we went out to the junior-senior prom. That was our first date. Uh, her parents were very impressed because I had on a tux and all. Uh, so it was pretty, uh, it was pretty nice. One and only time. <laughs> The, the one I'll tell you an interesting story. Uh, uh, the, the, what really uh, happened was after that, I'm a California boy, and so I never wore shoes. So, the, so I started coming over to her house barefooted all the time. And one, one night, uh, her father took me out on the porch and gave me a $20 bill and said, Son, I want you to buy a pair of shoes. <laughs> <laughs> but it was interesting. We both were believers. And... Uh, so that's kind of began our relationship, and we started dating, and uh, went to co- I went off to college, and we continued to date, and uh, I came back, and we decided to get married. We decided we loved each other <laughs> at 18 and 19. <laughs> we had no idea what that really involved. <laughs> and uh, in that period of time to the time you were about 21. 22. 22, we had four children. <laughs> Give me a she break. Knows better we than see I how this goes, right? <laughs> it is very clear. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much, Bart. <laughs> so at that point, um, uh, that be- kind of began our history uh, with four children uh, and about two and a half strikes against us as a couple that we would end up in divorce because of the fact we were both married young and both had a lot of children. So, so you had four kids by twenty-two. 22. Four kids by 20. In four years and three months or something, and no doubles. There you go. <laughs> well, I Prolific was, we were. I was going... <laughs> I can't follow that up, Liz. I was going to ask... I was going to ask what were some of the struggles that you had, but I think you kind of answered that. And, uh, but, but, uh, but obviously, I mean, through 55 years of marriage, there have, there have probably been some really hard times. Yes. And, and would you even say there were times where you wondered if you were going to make it? Um, did you ever have those thoughts or could you share with us a little bit about that, about some of the struggles that you had? You know, I, it was really interesting. One of the, one of the real struggles and, and it really touched both of our lives, but at the most successful time in my career, I was earning a lot more money than most people probably should. And uh, it was very, very interesting. I was on, 
<coughs> excuse me, I was unhappy. There was something deep down in me that wasn't right. And I could not figure it out. And so I started coming home at, in the afternoons, and I'd sit on the back porch and just read God's Word, and I'm just trying to find an answer. And somebody led me to the, book, the, to the Psalms, and, and I really began to love the Psalms as I kind of worked through the struggles. But, but it, it was just something that happened in, in our life, and it, it touched both of our lives. If we had not made the covenant with God when we married that we would go to church as a family, I don't know that we could have gotten through that because we had huge expenses because we were making huge amounts of money. We had four children in college. Actually, two were out at that point, and two daughters were getting married, and we were making our last uh, college payment. And in that time, I would watch him sit on the porch and just really get into God's word and really study it. And what we learned through that was God wanted us to simplify. We were doing all the right things. We were in church. We were sharing our home. We were sharing our lives. But he wanted us to be in his word with him and leave some of the stuff out there. And if we had not made that commitment in the first place, we wouldn't have made it. We couldn't have. It was impossible yeah, without during, God. During that time, uh, uh, in fact, it was on June 6th of 1984, the company called me up to Toronto and fired me. So <laughs> <laughs> that even complicated it more. But through that and through our con promise to each other, our covenant relationship, both with God and with ourselves, that drew us through that very, very difficult time. Now, I'm sure that you guys, being married for 55 years, you probably have always been exactly alike in your personalities, right? Y'all are exactly alike? Is that... Okay, so... So you would say... I just threw a big softball up there, Liz. I was, Polar so you're opposites. very Okay, so you're very different. Okay, well, how has that made for a great covenant partnership? Or how are you different and how is that made for this partnership that, that we've talked about? We each had our own gifts to bring to the marriage. Um, I didn't even know my gifts when I got married. I was too young to even understand what my gifts were. And <clears throat> once I understood my gifts that God had given me, it made me a better wife, a better mother, and a better friend. And I think it, it's interesting. Her gift is hospitality. And uh, she has had a chance to use that gift in so many different ways. My gifts are more in the teaching, and, and that part of it, and her is gifts in, is in uh, uh, hospitality. And that's given us the opportunity as a team, and we are a team. In fact, we were laughing about that a couple of weeks ago, about how we are a team together. What would you say have been some of just the top keys to the success in your relationship and the longevity? Because I know that that's those who are here that are married, they want it to work. They want, they want to experience that, and you've lived this. What would you say have been the keys well, I would say the first key was that we made the commitment to God and to each other when we were married 
that was our covenant relationship. When we took those vows, we accepted those vows as a covenant with God and that that covenant was not going to be broken. I'd say the other thing, we have tried to remain best friends. Um, we took time to be Liz and Jerry Maxwell couple, not just mom, dad, and thrown out there with the sharks. Uh, we took time to walk together. We took time away from our children to be a couple and best friends and do things together. In my life, I am involved in women's activities, but my main activity is with my husband. There was only one thing that ever came between us. Here we go. <laughs> and, you know, it's very interesting. Now there's two. One, you know, well, you mentioned, you mentioned it, too, and this is the reason I mentioned it, because I have a love of the outdoors and the love of mountains. And I love backpacking. I like to go into the high, into the backcountry, and, and she has no desire for that. Holiday Inn on the interstate with the TV is Other than that, backpacking. we are really very compatible. So... So what you're saying is that the key has been, because I heard you say this, is that your relationship with God has been one, and your relationship with each other has been second. That's correct. That's been two. That is correct. So we have some, probably in, in, in every service, we have some couples that are really at a place where they're at a hard time right now, and they're, they're, they're fighting for their marriage. Some of them maybe feel like giving up. What would you say to them today? How would you encourage them this morning? I think one of the ways I would encourage you first is to get that relation right with God. And I think that's the most important thing. The one thing we've learned is that we cannot love unconditionally without having a, a, what I call interactive relationship with God. I've got to have an ongoing relationship with God before I can have the ability to love my wife unconditionally. And so I feel very it's very important to have that relationship with God taken care of. Secondly, I think that you should take advantage of our church and our life groups just to be with other couples uh, to find out that your problems are really no different than the other people's problems. And walking together, you're much stronger than walking by yourself. I was going to go with the um, life groups also because it gives you a chance to see that other couples have issues and they may be the same issues as you but then they may be different and you can shed some light on their relationships um, and we like the multi-generational because it just gave us a chance to really interact with young married couples couples that weren't married that got married, and we happened to be the, the parents and grandparents in that group, and it was just an incredible, incredible experience. If you are not a member of a life group, look into it. It's really, really great. Well, we want to thank you today for sharing really just your, your testimony, your, your covenant with us, sharing that, what that means, and and when they talk about being a team, they're serious about this because we see it modeled all the time. And we see it modeled by them serving each other. I see Jerry 
every Sunday morning. Liz is the preschool minister. Jerry's not on staff, but he is doing things to to serve his wife, and it's just been an incredible uh, example for for all of us. And uh, let's give them a hand today and appreciate them sharing their testimony. Love you, brother. And um, what a great, great testimony. And that was what I really wanted today was for you, again, not just to hear me telling you some things, but for you to really see this works. It, it works. This is, a, this is a, someone who has lived covenant out. They have lived this. And, and it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. Before we dive into God's word, I want to have a word, just a quick word of prayer with you. Let's pray together and let's ask God to speak to our hearts today through his word. God, we love you and thank you so much for the awesome example and model of, of Liz and Jerry Maxwell, Lord. We love them and thank you that they're a part of this body of Christ. And I thank you that you've put them, Lord, in our lives just to be a great example for us, Lord, to show us how to love each other and to show us. Uh, and Lord, also just to talk about the tough times and talk about the covenant relationship being what held them together, even when they didn't know if they, they would make it. And God, I just thank you for your word today. Lord, I, I ask that your word would speak into our lives today. Lord, where we need to change, may we change and adapt our lives to what your word says, Lord. Just make us pliable and teachable today in the powerful name of Jesus, our Savior. All God's people said, amen. Well, as I said last week, Hope is my wife. We've been married for about 20 years, and we are also very, very opposite. How many of you this morning, you are married to someone that is completely opposite of you? Would you lift your hands up? Do we have some of those this morning? Okay. Well, Hope and I are, again, we are also very opposite in every way. I'm loud. She's quiet. I'm big. She's skinny. Okay. And um, I love to camp outside. She likes to stay in hotels. And uh, I like mountains for vacation. Hope likes uh, the beach. I like it cold. I'm always hot, okay? And uh, she likes it hot, and this is so difficult. I'm a night owl. She's an early riser. I love to eat. Hope forgets to eat. I don't understand that, but she does. I, I forgot to eat lunch. What? That doesn't compute, okay? Um, I'm impulsive with money. She's very f- frugal. Um, I'm bald. She has beautiful hair. I'm dark. She's fair-complected. I'm good-looking. She's really good looking. I'm just checking, being sure you're listening. Just check. I don't know what you thought I was going to say. But at first, our, our differences, when we first got together, I mean, it, it is true that we were so attracted to that. I was, I was just so attracted by how different she was than me. And, and as we uh, came together and as we got married, um, it's, it's very clear that those things that start off that you're very attracted to and how different uh, we really are can turn from attract to attack, okay? And this is what happened was for us is we just got to a place where it was hard to understand one another. We still struggle with that. And I'm just being honest with you. There are times where because we're so different, you know, um, and where it started as just a real attraction to that, uh, you get you get married and you come together, you live together, and those things that maybe you were attracted to begin to become annoyances, and before you know it, you have trouble in paradise, right? And this is kind of what began to happen in our relationship. And 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 what I want to talk to you about today is about the tension 
but also the blessings of opposites in a covenant partnership. You're going to hear this word covenant a lot today. You heard Liz and Jerry share about the covenant that they've entered into. And, and, and what we're going to talk about is, is what covenant means. We're going to talk about the way that God views covenant. And, and one of the awesome things that God does is he uses opposites in the marriage relationship to complement one another. And what that means is, is not you being completed by that person. Because we established last week that God's the one that completes us. He's the one that makes us whole. Okay, what we're talking about today is 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 this covenant relationship and and we're talking about the covenant partnership. What complementing one another means is not so much the words that we're talking about. We're talking about the strengths and weaknesses. And again, I see that in, in Jerry and in Liz and they they live that out in front of us and how they are a partnership. And, and, and when we understand this and when we are committed in covenant partnership, we serve God better and, and opposites begin to balance one another out in covenant partnership. So if you're taking some notes today, I want to encourage you to write some things down. Here's some key thoughts for you today. Um, The first thing is this, is that marriage is made to be about the we and not me, okay? Marriage is made to be about we and not me. We're going to be looking at, in in Genesis this morning, last week we we looked at this passage, but Jesus was, was basically quoting this passage here. They had come to Jesus, they tried to trap him in his words, and tried to get him to talk about divorce and, and all of this, and Jesus said that Moses uh, talked about the certificate of divorce because of the hardness of your own hearts. And, and then he quoted this here. And so we're going to look in, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. I'm reading from the ESV this morning. And God has created the world. He's created the animals. He's created all of this. He's created man. And man is by himself. And then here's what it says in verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that, that man should be alone. I will make him a, everybody say it with me, I will make a what? A helper fit for him. Now, in our society, when we hear that, we go, a helper? That's all I am to you is a helper. And next, start rolling. And I'm just a helper. Okay, now, I I knew this, that I needed to break some words down to start helping us understand this. We want to unpack this a little bit today. This word helper in the original language does not mean a servant in a demeaning sense. It's a complimentary partner is what this means, a help meet, okay? And Jesus used this same word, uh, the Greek equivalent of this word, to describe the Holy Spirit who would come alongside believers, okay? And we know the Holy Spirit is not subservient to us. He comes alongside us. He's our helper. He is our support. Uh, and and this, is, this is what this means here. But again, we see words like this and we think, well, well this, this does, just doesn't seem right. And, and, and you know, or this ta- seems like this, that this would make her inferior. This is not what is being said here. It's talking about a covenant partnership. Now, where it says a, a helper that is fit for him, what this means is corresponding to. Again, um, that there are, there are equals in this sense. Now, Adam has a role and he has headship. And we will talk about that in the coming weeks. Okay, but we know that he's also a, to be a servant leader. Jesus established that. And when that relationship is working like that, it's a beautiful thing. But this corresponding to has the implication of having similarity, but not in every detail. There's complementary weaknesses and strengths that come together. It's this idea 
uh, of a partnership. It's this idea of harmony. And if you know about music, you hear harmonies in music. They're different in their parts, but when they come together, they make beautiful noise. And, and it, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And so if you keep reading in Genesis, what you're going to find is, is God's going to see that Adam's by himself. He says, this is not good, um, and it's not good for man to be alone. So God causes Adam to go into a deep sleep. He takes a part of, of Adam and creates woman from Adam's rib, and he brings her unto the man, and Adam expresses this. And again, you can read this all on your own. He says, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. And, and now here's the next verse that I want to put up on the screen for you. You can look in your Bibles. Here's what it says. Now, it says, therefore. And when therefore is there, it's a connecting uh, part of Scripture. He's saying, because of this, this is what happens. A union occurs. So he says, therefore, a man shall leave. You can circle that, underline it. We're going to come back to that, what that means. He shall leave his father and his mother. And it says, and hold fast to his wife. And they shall become, everybody say it with me, they shall become what? They shall become one flesh. Okay, so we see that he's going to leave and that he's going to hold fast. And, and, and what this word leave means, and again, just kind of breaking this down for you a little bit. He says, therefore, as God has created male and female here. And I, I do want you to take note, and I'm not joking about this. I'm not trying to stir up political storm here. I want you to see, though, it is a man and it is a woman. Okay, this is very important that we catch this. It's not a man and a man. It's not a woman and a woman. This is a man and a woman that he is bringing together in union here. So unpacking this, he says, therefore, and what therefore means, this is the reason. That's what that means. Okay. And then he says, leave. He's going to, a man shall leave. What, what leave means here in this original language, it means to, to establish independence from his family. Now, Adam didn't have uh, parents. His, his parent was God, right? Okay, so he couldn't actually leave. But, but God, I want you to see, is setting this up so that we understand this. God is saying this, that a man shall leave his father and his mother. And this word, it means to establish independence. It means to begin a new family. It means that your priorities, which were your parents, now are to shift... To your spouse, God's first with the understanding that God is first and your spouse is second, not your parents being second, not your kids being second. It says he shall leave and he shall hold fast to his wife. This is a shifting of priorities with the under understanding, the obvious understanding of God being first. And then he says, hold fast. This word hold fast is the Hebrew word debak. And what this word means, it means to cleave. It means to be joined to. Here's another thing as I was looking this up this week. It means to pursue. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks, okay? It means to pursue, to pursue one another. It resembles this, a weaving of two separate th threads into one new and stronger piece of cloth. It's taking two separate individuals and weaving those together to where they are two separate individuals, but now they are being joined together they are one. This word one is the Hebrew word echad, and, um, and it's kind of like you're clearing your throat, okay? So you, you can try to say it if you want, echad. So then you got to wipe the person's head off in front of you, okay? Because 
probably you cleared your throat. And, uh, and so what this word means, it means, it means to be united. It means to be all together. It means to be completely joined as one. The idea of two separate threads coming together as one cloth, they will become one. I like the way that Solomon puts it in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. You can turn there if you want or just follow on the screen. But he's talking about how two are better than one. How two are stronger than one. He, he, he gives this talk about this. And, and he says this in verse 12. He says, And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. And look at this. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. In other words, there's strength in this triune relationship. You, your spouse, and who is the other one? It's God. Three, a three-fold um, cord is not quickly broken. I think of it this way. Has anybody in here, have you ever been at one of these uh, picnics or whatever, and you've done a three-legged race? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever done that? Okay. You really haven't done that. We're doing that at EVC at the park. Help me out. Okay. You did that. All right. We need to do that. Okay. So this illustration will be better. But it's like this. It's, it's, um, it's like Hope and I are, are in this relationship. We're coming together. We are two completely separate individuals, but we're coming together in partnership now. We are being joined. And, and in a three-leg race, they take, a, they take a, a, a rope and they wrap it around your leg, right? And now you are two complete individuals, but you're working together now. You're working together. You're moving forward to a common uh, cause, common purpose. And, and so you can think of it this way, as Jesus is this cord that is pulling us together. He's this one that holds us together. Now, I can, in the midst of this, I can fight and I can try to do my own thing. I'm joined with her and she can kind of try to do her own thing. But I'm going to tell you that if you determine that that's how it's going to be in the relationship, you're going to fall flat on your face. And you see that happen with people because they don't know how to work together. But when we determine that we are going to yield, and that's what it requires, is yielding certain aspects of ourselves to that other person in working together, that's when you accomplish your goal and you move forward. This is kind of what this is talking about. This is what's being said here. He wants, God wants to strengthen you first as an individual. You don't want to come in here and say, my spouse needs to get right with God. Okay, they probably do, but, but that, you can't control that. What you want to come in saying is, God, I want you to do a work in my life today. You make me whole. You make me complete. You work within me. I don't need a new spouse. I need to be a new spouse God, I, I, I've made a covenant here. I want you to strengthen me. And then, God, as I become one with this person, as I've done this, this is a, this is a union that is not to be broken. This is why in, in partnership today we talk about the we and not the me. That's, that's like this union of walking in this three-leg race, okay? And, 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 and this is what we're talking about. I want to point you toward this truth about biblical perspective, the biblical perspective on a marriage relationship. Because... Our society says this is the way marriage looks like. This is what it looks like. And, and, and so this is what society says. Even we who are within the church have bought into society's view of what marriage looks like. And therefore, when problems begin to arise, we're looking for a way out. Okay? That's not the way that biblical marriage is taught and, and, and is, is proclaimed. And I want, I want to give you the understanding of God's biblical idea of marriage. 
Here, here is what I would encourage you. Another key thought to write down is that biblical marriage is designed by God to be a, everyone say it with me, a what? A covenant and not a contract. It's designed by God to be a covenant and not a contract. But the way our society treats the marriage relationship is that it is nothing more than a contractual agreement. That's why you'll hear people say, well, it's just a piece of paper, you know, that we're really, we're just in love. You know, it's, it's, and that's kind of what said, it's, it's just a legal agreement that the state recognizes. But God has designed it, I, please catch this, he's designed it to be so much more than that. It is, it is such a deeper commitment than that. And you see a great picture of this in the Old Testament over and over again about a covenant relationship that God has entered into with his people. That's why it's so important that we read the Old Testament and we don't just say, well, I'm not reading that. You're going to see God makes a covenant to his people. And you're going to see that his people do not live up to their part of the covenant on a regular basis. And they mess up over and over again. And God, yes, he gets irritated with them. And there were consequences that occurred because of that. But God kept his covenant. He keeps his covenant. And that we are to be like him in the sense that we keep our covenant. We see in the book of Malachi when, when these people were going through this and they were living in idolatry and they were, they had not, they were not living up to their part of, of the covenant. And, and here is what we see happening is we see over and over again, they're whining to God and they're saying, God, where are you? Why are you not accepting our sacrifices? Why are you not hearing our prayers? Now, what I want you to catch in this is that they were being religious. Please understand, we're not telling you to become religious Because that's not going to do it. That's not what God is looking for. What God wants is relationship with you in your life, individually. It's not about how often you can come to church or how much you give. or or It's not about being religious. It's about you being in a love relationship with God. I really want you to understand this because they were religious. They were doing religious things. And you're going to see that as we read in Malachi. And what God is going to tell them, he said, well, first of all, I'm not hearing you. Because you've put something else in my place. You're living in idolatry. We talked about that last week. We talked about how our spouse can very easily move into the place. Or our marriage relationship can move into the place of being an idol in our life. We talked about when we have kids. Our children very easily. It's very easy. And it feels like it's the right thing to do. That they end up becoming the top priority. God moves down. Spouse moves down. I'm telling you when that happens things get messed up. Things get complicated. That's why it's imperative that that as if you're a married couple, um, that you determine that you are going to keep God as the top priority in your life. If you're a single person, it's important that you determine God is going to be number one in my life, even above my kids. Okay? And, and, and that feels weird if, if maybe you had a marriage that dissolved. Um, naturally, we want to elevate our kids because maybe we want to make it up to them that the marriage didn't work out. And so it's easy. No, the best thing we can do for our kids, the very best thing is love God with all of our hearts and love our spouse. If we're married, love them second, not love them above that. But here is here's what I want you to see. So they're saying, God, why are you not hearing us? And 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 he says, you're living in idolatry. And then he's going to say this. And secondly, he said, you, you men, he said, you're being unfaithful to your wives. 
And he says, I'm not answering your prayers. And you can read it if you want the full context there. He also talks to the priests who were not living godly. I mean, he gives a whole list of things that weren't right. But this is an area that I want to point out to you today. In Malachi chapter 2, verse 13, he says, and this is the second thing you do. I want you to see this. Okay, here's the religious aspect. You cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. You know how to go through the motions of being religious. But you say, why does he not? Why is he not hearing me? Now look at this, because the Lord was, and I want us to see this word and say it, the Lord was what? The Lord was witness. That's a key word. The Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion, that's a partner right there, your partner, your covenant partner, and your wife, and everybody say it with me, your companion and your wife by, what does it say? By covenant, by covenant, by covenant. Look at verse 15. Did he not make them one? That's what he's saying. He is the one who joins us together in the covenant. It's God is the one who, and that's why Jesus said, let not man separate this. He says, you've been joined together. And he says, did he not make them one with a portion of the spirit in their union? So who made them one? God did. And if you're taking notes, I want to give you just some, some differences between contract and covenant today. And it's what I really want you to catch today. This is it, is I want you to catch the seriousness of covenant. Because I, I just think most of us don't understand that. We don't get that. And so we view our relationship in the sense of the way that the world views the relationship. Okay, what is the difference between a covenant and a contract? Covenant versus contract. Contract, if you're taking notes, a contract is based on mutual distrust and performance. A contract is based upon mutual distrust and performance. That's what it is. I'm in as far as you are in. If you do me wrong, I can get out. If you don't live up to the expectations that we agreed upon in the contract, I'm out. You must perform, otherwise I'm out. If you don't perform, the contract becomes null and void. I remember whenever Hope and I uh, had been married for about a year, we moved back from... um, Brownwood, Texas, here to Fort Worth because I was taking a position at a church as a student minister. And uh, we were brand new married and, and uh, looking for a place to live. We didn't have any money. We were dirt poor. And we needed a place to live. Well, there was a guy that we knew who was in. He was a friend of ours, older friend of ours. But he had some rental properties. And he had a house. And, and I remember like when I found out, I was like, oh, this is great. And I'm like, this is going to be a good deal. It's going to be a great place for us to live. And I remember saying, hey, we'd love to live in this place. You can count on me. And he said, great, Mark. Love to have you. I'm, I'm glad it works out. This is how much it's going to be. By the way, I need you to come by and I need you to sign a contract. And I was young, okay? And I was kind of like, why do you need me to sign a contract, man? I mean, I'm in. You know me. You know me. I'm going to pay this. Come on. We're in church together. And he said, that's awesome, man. He said, I need you to come by and sign a contract. And I was like, oh, okay. So I went in. I signed the contract. And what the... What the contract said, and he said, look, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings in this deal, but he said, I've been doing this for a while, been doing this for a while, and, and I've rented to friends before, 
and, and, and we've not had contracts and there wasn't proper understanding and it ended up ruining the relationship. Just, we need to establish this up from the get-go. We've been burned in the past. And, we don't, and, and so I said, oh, okay, that's fine. You know, and so we signed, signed the contract. And I read through the contract and it essentially said, you know, pay, you know, pay, you know stay. That's basically what it said. Okay? And, and, but what was interesting was there was another side of the contract that said that if things were wrong, that he was obligated to fix some of these things. And there were things that happened all the time that were wrong. And I'd be like... Uh, hello, the contract says <laughs> um, that you need to come and fix this. And, uh, and, and we are still friends today. Uh, but, but it was interesting, though, because, I mean, I wanted to just kind of enter into this with a handshake. But he said, you know, we've been burned. And so there's this, there's this distrust and, and there's this idea that you have to pay, right? I mean, that's, that's a contract. You have to perform. You have to do this. Otherwise, you're out. If he didn't live up to his part of the contract... We could just leave and, and be out. And, and what happens is we apply this to marriage all of the time. We look at our marriage in this sense that, the, that our spouse's performance is contingent on whether or not we're in or we're out. It, it, it's, it's viewed as a contract. If, if they perform well or, or if they do this well or if they act right or whatever, and we see it as just a contract. If you do this, I'm in. And, and if it's that way, and if you don't do this, I'm out. Someone breaks the contract or someone starts feeling not happy, which happens. We get to where I don't feel like being in this anymore. I don't feel happy. And, and so what do we do? We say, I'm out. It's over. They're not living up to fulfilling me. It's over. A covenant is different. And I want you to, to write this down. A covenant is this. A covenant is based on mutual commitment, on mutual commitment, and here's a big word right here, and grace. It's not on performance. It's on grace. It's, and, and this would be a good thing to write down. A covenant is an unending, totally binding, irrevocable commitment that's been sealed. And it, and, it, and it can be maintained by one person. And in other words, you may break this. You may, you may be in the marriage relationship and your spouse isn't quite living up. But, but what you're saying is the mentality is, I'm not in this because of what you're going to do for me. It's, I have made a promise, a covenant with God. And you may break your portion of this, but I, I have made a promise and a vow before God. In other words, in our language today, I'm all in. I'm all in, every bit of me, totally in, completely, 100%. You're looking at the, the nature of this relationship now as this way. You're looking in this sense that there is no back door. There is no escape hatch, if you want to think of it that way. I'm in this. I've made a promise. I've made a covenant to God. I didn't make a promise to the state of Texas or wherever it is that you, but it is this. I've made a promise to the God of the universe. And it's very serious. His standard is the highest standard. It goes beyond my feelings. It goes beyond because there's going to be days. And I'm just going to shoot straight with you. There have been many days I didn't feel like being married to hope. And I promise you she could stand up here and say there have been a lot more days I didn't feel like being married to you. I'm telling you what has held us together 
And I'm so thankful we learned this early on because we, we talked about this in our pre-marriage counseling. This was talked to us about is that you are entering into a covenant. Now, let me explain that to you. And therefore, you better really think hard about this before you make this covenant because this is big. But, but many people don't know this. And so, therefore, we, we look at it as a contract. What has held Hope and I together in some of our hardest moments and some of the darkest times where we've had some really rough times. We've had times, I mean, you want me to be transparent and honest, where I wondered if we were going to make it. And you know what held us together? Was a covenant. Hope would say something like this. and She was maybe not happy with me over something or whatever. And man, I maybe I was being a jerk. Or, and, and she would say, we made a promise to God. Divorce is no option. And she came from a home that was broken. That happened whenever she was 14 years old. And she still deals with the pain of seeing that happen with her parents even today and all of that. And she says, she says this, our kids are not going through that. We made a promise to God. And see, when you start thinking that way, what it does is it changes things because you realize this, divorce is not an option. I'm in this. I better figure out how to make this work. But when you always have this looming idea of I can get out, you're not going to work hard at making things change. Because in the back of your mind, you're always going, I'll just find a way out. They don't live up to it. I'm out. Covenant is so very different. It's based upon grace. Grace is getting something that you don't deserve. It's what God does in our life. God gives us eternal life. He seals us with this eternal life, not because of our performance, but because of what he's done for us. That's the marriage relationship. It's a, it's a picture. This is why all throughout the New Testament, he talks about us as being the bride of Christ. He talks about that, him being the bridegroom. Do you see the seriousness of that relationship, how he affirms it? He affirms it over and over again. I love what Ruth Graham said. She's the wife of Billy Graham. He's a great evangelist, right? Great man of God. I love what she said. She was always in the background. But what I loved about this was she was honest because they had some problems too. That made me feel better knowing that if Billy, Billy Graham had some marriage problems occasionally, okay? And here what was, was interesting was she was being interviewed about some of the hardships that they faced in their relationship. And the reporter asked her if she'd ever thought about divorcing Billy. And I love this. She said, never one day in my life have I thought about divorcing him. And then in perfect timing, she said, many days I thought about killing him. <laughs> but I have never thought about divorcing him ever. I'm not suggesting you go kill your spouse. But what I am saying is this. You see this in Jerry and Liz. You see this in a couple like, like Billy and Ruth Graham. You see a level of commitment that is there that is a covenant. I, I think you even heard uh, Jerry and Liz say, and maybe they said this in the first service, I don't know, but when we got married and they were going through hard, they had four kids right off the bat and that, you know, it was tough. And he said, we had no money at that point. Later on, I started making money and, and they, they were just kids themselves. And he's saying, as he's going through this, he's saying, 
we realized we were in a covenant. He said, my, Liz said, and again, I don't remember which service she said this in. She may have said it in this one or the last one. But she said, when we started having problems and I was kind of thinking maybe I want it out. My, my dad said, this is the bed you made. You lie in it. You made a promise. Stick it out. And look at them today. They've stuck it out. And, and, and I just want to say that to us today is that we have to, as the body of Christ, we have to, to get back to looking at the, the seriousness of the covenant again. Because all the movies say that this is what it, all our society, all the magazines, everything we're barraged with says, no, it's a contract. And it's modeled for us over and over again. Just get out, get out, get out. This word covenant it's this Hebrew word. It means, uh, it's bereath. It means cutting. That there's a cutting that takes place. And in Hebrew time, in this Old Testament Hebrew times, at a wedding, a bride and a groom would stand before a priest. And the priest would ask for the hand of the groom. And he would ask for the hand of the bride. And he would take a sharp knife and he would cut them. He would take a cord and he would put their blood together. He would tie that together. There, it means this. A commingling of blood. That's what it is. It's a commingling. The, the book of Leviticus says that the life is in the blood. It's a commingling of lives. Anytime there was a covenant, there were certain things that were, that were present. Just very quickly, let me give these real quick to you because I need to run out of time. We've got another service coming up. But, but a covenant... When it occurred, there was an outward symbol. They had a scar that reminded them, I made a covenant with God. We have a wedding ring today. Thank God. <laughs> okay. And because uh, I, I do a lot of weddings and I'm not looking to cut anybody. Okay. I'd pass out. And, um, <sighs> but we have wedding ring. And what is this? It's an outward symbol, right? It says, I made a promise. I made a promise. And I wear this. This is an outward symbol of a commitment I've made. Um, when God t made a covenant with Noah, he said, I'll not flood the earth again. There was an outward symbol. What was the outward symbol? The rainbow. And, and it was a reminder. Okay. Do you see this? Our baptism is an outward symbol of an inward happening. It, it shows that I've been buried with Christ. I'm dead to self. I'm new in Christ. I'm alive. It's an outward expression of something that's happened in my, my decision to follow Jesus. So there was an outward symbol. There was always a witness. When a covenant occurred, there was a witness. And did you see, uh, what did the book of Malachi say? Who is the main witness? God said, was I not the witness? Was I not the one who witnessed this joining, this blood covenant that has come together, this cutting? There was always a partner to protect. Um... Soldiers would have an exchange of armor. They also would cut their hands and kind of like you, maybe growing up, you'd see a cowboy movie and, a, and the Indians would be blood brothers, you know, and they'd cut their hands and come together. And, and then that's, the, that's a covenant. It's a covenant. It's a, it's a co-mingling. There was a meal to be shared. Jesus shared a meal with his disciples and he said, this cup that is poured out for you, he's talking about him, his, he said, this is the new covenant didn't he say those words? In my blood. Take it and drink it. And so what do we do? It's representative of his blood, right? And we take this and we drink it. And there's a co-mingling with Christ. It's communion. Is this making sense? Are you seeing the seriousness of that? There was a change of name. 
There was a change of name. God gave Abram a new name when he made a covenant with him. He said, your name is Abraham now. So when a wife takes her husband's name, this happened in Genesis 15, when a wife takes her husband's name, it's representative of two becoming one. When we receive Christ, we're given a new name. Time does not permit us to explore all the many different facets. That's why you've got to come back next week and the next week about the imagery of this incredible word, covenant. What I want you to see today is this, is the seriousness of covenant. Because I think that in the church we've forgotten that. Listen to me. Um, what happens today is society says, well, just join yourself physically with anybody. You know, just about you. Do whatever you want to do. And so starts early is, is you know, it, it, we start off and we say, oh, I love you and I love you, sugar booger. And we say this and and before you know it, we're getting close. And the next thing you know, there's a physical union that is. And God says, keep the marriage bed pure and undefiled. And then what happens? What happens is there's a breakdown somewhere in that relationship because they have no idea of covenant that they've entered into. They've commingled as one by the way, the consummation, the, the shedding of blood between a virgin man and a virgin woman, this was consummation, this was covenant. It was a cutting, okay? And, and this happens all the time. And so then what happens is he goes, I'm out, you know? Even though we've joined as one, I'm out. And, you know, or she says, well, I'm out. And then, and then I see another person, oh, I like them. And next thing you know, you're joining yourself all over. Man, it is just ripping you apart because every time you join as one with someone else, there's a tearing that occurs. And so at some point, you know, maybe even start living together and you, my toothbrush is over there now and, and hers is over here. And, and then you say you're out. And then what happens is, is it's like a divorce happens. It's like divorce occurs. And you experience the pain of all of that. And then what happens one day is you do decide to enter into this covenant marriage relationship. And when things get hard, and they always do, you say, well, that's what I did back then. And you say, that's what the world says to do. And then what do you say? I'm out. I'm out. And we don't treat it any different. I just, I just want us today as the church to understand the seriousness of covenant. This morning... If you are a person who has been through brokenness in relationship, I say this with all the compassion in my heart. We love our singles. We love singles, uh, those who have been divorced. We love you. I know that there are many within our church family that have experienced the pain of divorce. And my purpose today is not to heap condemnation on you. God loves you. And I do too. And we love you and we are committed to you. And the pain you've experienced because of that broken relationship, I know, is immense. And many of you never wanted that. And things happen. And some things that were out of your control. And I know some of you, you made mistakes. You'd say, I made some mistakes. And if you could go back, you would do it different. And I had a lady tell me this week that that's exactly what she'd do. But, but you know what we realized? She can't go back. What she can do now is move forward and, and move forward with the with just the greatness of God's grace in her life. And she said, she said, should I be married again? She said, I'm doing it right. I'm doing it right. Moving forward. And, and that's what I want to say to you. God's grace, he paid the penalty for all of our sin, even the sin of the brokenness of marriages. And his grace is, is great enough to apply to the brokenness of relationships. He says if we're faithful and just, he forgives 
It forgives us of our sin, cleanses us from every wrong. You're not made to live in bitterness towards your ex or towards whomever, but God wants to do a healing work in your life, and we want to support you in that. We want to help you. Those of you who are married, though, I want you to see the seriousness of covenant. It's serious. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth of it. And Lord, as we prayed from the beginning, Lord, I pray that where our lives are not in alignment with your word, that Lord, we would be willing to change and not expect you to change to our standards. Your standards are high. And Lord, your standards for sexual purity are high. Your standards for marriage are high. It's not because you're a, a mean God and you're trying to withhold. You, it's, it's to protect us. Because of the pain of joining in, a, in union and then that being separated, there's a tearing of lives apart. And so, Father, we who are married couples this morning... We realize before you, because of your word, the seriousness of covenant. There may be some this morning, Lord, that they're on the verge, maybe, of, of walking away. Or walking away in their relationship. Uh, Lord, maybe they've been far away from you. I, I don't know what's going on, but Lord, I just know that you have them here today for a reason. And Lord, it may be that right now, the only thing that holds them together is hearing the fact that they've entered into a covenant. May they have that knowledge of being in the covenant, Lord, and may they recognize that with your strength, God, that you can bring about change and a resurrection in, in something that even is dead. So, Lord, we just commit our marriages to you today. For those who are single today, Lord, I pray that you would remind them that, Lord, it's not another person that completes them, but it's their relationship with you. May they run hard after you, Lord Jesus, and not try to be fulfilled through a relationship with another person. Sometimes we can elevate that, Lord, because we feel alone. And so, God, I pray you would sustain them today. Lord, those that are, are hurting because of a broken relationship, I pray, God, that in your perfect way that you would show them your grace today. Jason said it earlier, it's your kindness that leads us to repentance Lord, work miracles today in our lives. And I pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus, our Savior, and all God's people said, 